Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everyone. I'm Brian Carrington, and you're listening to Call Talk for February 15th, 2012. Today's topic is managing FMLA in the call center. If you're listening live, we invite you to be a part of the show and ask questions, and it's real easy to do it. You can either email me at brian at benchmarkportal.com, spelled out B-R-I-A-N, or you can chat with us on our website at benchmarkportal.com. Also, if you're listening on the phone or close to one, you can call in, that's the best way to do it, to 347-857-3117. But make sure to press the number one on your phone to let me know you have a question and I'll get you in. The first person to ask a live question on the phone will receive a $1,500 in-depth reality check benchmarking survey for free. So I want to remind everyone that all of our shows are archived and available to listen to at Benchmark Portal any time of the day. And now I'd like to introduce our hosts of Call Talk, Bruce Belfiore and Dee Buell. Thank you very much, Brian, and uh, really delighted to be with you and uh, able to talk to you about a very interesting topic, one that we haven't addressed before on uh, Call Talk, but there's a lot of interest in it, a lot of misunderstandings as well. So we're looking forward to... uh, uh, to exploring this topic with you, and I'm delighted to have Dee Buell as my co-host. She's one of Benchmark Portal's certified auditors and is a subject matter expert in the contact center industry. So, uh, Dee, welcome. Thank you. I enjoy uh, the opportunity to be here. Okay. Well, great. And I'd like to welcome everybody back to Call Talk. And uh, really, FMLA is one of the key components of a successful call center. Uh, And you need to have the right number of agents uh, to handle the call volumes at the time the customers are contacting you. Because unplanned absences can be one of those last-minute challenges that impacts your ability to meet your service-level objectives and really give great service to your customers. You know, Bruce, when I'm speaking with call center managers, you know, the the FMLA Act is often discussed as one of the challenges they struggle with to manage the call center effectively in the United States. Well, that's right. And, uh, you know, while FMLA is specifically workplace legislation passed by the American Congress for U.S. companies, uh, our listeners in jurisdictions outside the U.S. face many of the same sorts of issues on staffing And I think we'll find some useful takeaways from this show and from the experience that Tina has to offer. Uh, To speak with us on these important issues, we've brought in a human resource expert on the topic for you, Tina Honkus, who's vice president at MetLife Human Resources. Uh, She's with the MetLife's Service Delivery Center located in Johnstown, Pennsylvania, which is a center of excellence that I visited last fall and uh, really a wonderful team down there that she has to work with. Uh, She's worked in various areas of bent life, including human resources, group property and casualty center and compliance. Uh, Tina has a bachelor's in economics from the University of Pittsburgh, a master's in business, and also a master's in human resources from St. Francis University in Pennsylvania. Uh, She holds a professional designation in human resources 
a Life Office Management Association designation, and the Securities and Licensing Association designation. So this is a person with a lot of experience, a lot of credentials. So it's really my great pleasure and uh, Dee's pleasure to uh, to welcome Tina Honkus. So thanks, Bruce, and I'm just really excited to join um, both you and Dee and talk about this important topic today. And uh, I have to say, um, as far as, as this topic, you know, in our call center, we, we do deal with it a lot, um, just handling the day-to-day. So excited to talk about it. Well, you know, just to put this in context and uh, indicate, you know, what kind of priority it has, how, how much do the people managers in the contact center industry really need to know about the topic of uh, FMLA? Well, I think it's really important that you provide your managers with some basic information about FMLA because they really do need to feel comfortable and understand, you know, what's in their control and what's not in their control. Um, I also think it's um, important as managers, you know, we need to just make sure our staff is prepared to handle those situations when they come up. And um, as you all know, we work in organizations where there's certain restrictions related to headcount, and I think it's important that we're all ready um, in case we need to flex our staff, um, you know, for mm-hmm. situations of this type. So, Boy, that that is for sure, Tina. I mean, think about uh, what a lot of centers have gone through, particularly in the last couple of years with the downturn. Uh, the headcount restrictions, the difficulties in proper staffing in order to to meet your uh, needs in terms of uh, service levels, et cetera. Well, what's the basic information that's helpful for all managers to know regarding FLMA? Okay, uh, so for example, uh, FMLA allows um, eligible employees to take a protected job leave. Um, That is unpaid for up to 12 work weeks per 12 months. And there's some different reasons that uh, employees um, are eligible for this. Um, One could be the birth of a child, or if they need to take care of a child or their parent or their spouse, or if that employee has some type of serious health condition of their own. Um, And there's some different ways that will work. So FMLA may be taken in single 12-week periods, or it can be intermittent increments, or even uh, there could be the request for part-time work schedules. Um, So that's why I feel it's really important for managers to just understand FMLA at a very high level, and, you know, as well as their company's policies uh, around that particular program so that they know what paperwork they need to complete as well as the services that are available to their employees. Well, Tina, what type of support is needed to support those frontline managers on a day-to-day basis regarding FMLA? Well, and, Dee, what I would say from our end, and um, we really have developed what we call checklists for our managers. So our managers have different checklists that they use, you know, in their day-to-day, but they do have a checklist for, you know, FMLA. Um, The other thing that we do is we run various hot topic calls, Um, throughout the year just to keep managers up to date on, you know, different types of processes and procedures. Okay. Well, Tina, that's an interesting one there with regard to the hot topic calls because I think communication in call centers, particularly on these technical areas, legal areas, et cetera, uh, is so important. Can you just sort of give us some insight in how these hot topic calls are, are selected in terms of their content 
and, and how you carry them out and how you feel that they're really helpful so that uh, maybe some of our listeners will, will have a good uh, takeaway on this. Sure. And I would say the hot topics, uh, when I'm referring to those, they are run more um, by MetLife as the corporation. So, you know, we've got managers in all different areas across the company that are dealing with FMLA, you know, on a daily, monthly type basis. So um, they will run a call, and usually it's the area that actually handles the policy for that particular topic. So they will set up the hot topic call related to the subject, and uh, they're usually only about a 30-minute call, but they talk very high level, kind of like what we're doing today about that particular subject. And then uh, it really kind of gives the managers just um, up-to-date information on that particular topic. And I will say the hot topic calls are selected in different ways. So, for example, uh, a hot topic call might be run if there were a change in a policy maybe a change in an outside regulation that, you know, we would need to bring managers up to speed on. So that might generate a hot topic call. The other thing that we rely on a lot is metrics. So behind the scenes, we may be running metrics. We may see, for whatever reason, that in the last couple months, there are a lot of maybe family medical leaves that are taking place or, you know, something else. So, you know, sometimes it's based on the the metrics or the number of inquiries that are coming in that will um, a hot topic call will be selected because of that. Hmm. Now, you know, you come from a, a large, well-structured company, uh, a large call center operation, contact uh, center operation, and uh, so you have the internal resources uh, for this in terms of professionals who are really aiming to keep you on the right side of this and uh, make sure your managers understand it. Would that be correct, Tina? Yes, that's right. That's right. And so- Okay. I'm, I'm just thinking in terms of others who may be, if, if we could just separate our listeners into two groups, those who are in your same situation uh, and who maybe would like to have more uh, from their resources and uh, relate to them better. If you have any sort of, uh, you know, how do I communicate better with these folks and get more from them in terms of expertise? And then talk about uh, those centers who maybe are smaller and don't have those resources where they might be able to get information on FMLA. Any thoughts that you have on those topics would be really appreciated. Yes. Um, well, for I would I would recommend a couple different things, and some of these um, areas I'm not sure. Um, you know, smaller companies how they're laid out, but um, you know, we we use definitely the like the HR managers. So you know, usually most organizations have some kind of HR professional. And those folks are going to stay on top of those regulations and those types of things. So they really are a good resource to use. And I think it's really important um, just to keep the lines of communication open. So if you're working for a small company and you're a manager and you just want to understand more about that, I, I think every HR professional would be pleased to know that a manager wanted to understand more about that subject. So... I don't I think it would be great to reach out and say, you know what, my myself and maybe my my supervisors would like to spend a little time with you because we want to put our own checklist together. You know, that's going to help that HR person too because you're going to take a little off their work, workload by putting those kind of things in place. Um we have another area we use employee relations 
And um, so uh, those are, are some areas I think you could really work to partner with and, and do that. And even if you're part of a larger organization, I think reaching out um, to those organizations will help kind of guide them. If they set up things such as HR hot topics or plan releases out to the broader population, your feedback mm -hmm. is always you know, considered a part of that. And the last thing I would add to that is the U.S. Um, Department of Labor website. That's a really good resource if you need some additional information. Those are great, great, great inputs. And uh, I can uh, almost hear people scribbling down some notes to themselves. One of our uh, recurrent themes uh, that you've probably heard as well, Tina, is that all call center managers should be building radial organizations. They should be trying to reach out to the other parts of their organization and also outside the organization to get the resources and the information and the knowledge, really, that they need to do a really good job. So um, I think those, those are great inputs, so thank you very much for that. Uh, Dee, over to you. Yeah, um, Tina, I was just wondering, how can contact centers use flex staffing to account for FMLA absences? That's a great question, Dee. And, uh, you know, within our con contact center, we do place a lot of concentration on flexibility and cross-training our, our team. And um, there's a couple things that we do that I think are key, and it's, it's related to the communication on really kind of your state of affairs or what's going on with the team. So we have um, a meeting every day. It's our 845, because our, our day starts at, at 8 o'clock, we have this meeting at 8.45, and the reason we run it just a little after the 8 o'clock uh, start time is you know what's happened already, so you know if somebody called off, because it's really our, we're talking through what are we going to do in that day. So we're looking at, you know, what were our volumes the day before, do we have any carryover work, and in that meeting we're talking about that carryover work, we're looking at who's on a scheduled PTO day, who called off that day, and then we're looking at, okay, which teams don't have a carryover and how can we kind of readjust that. So we look at all of that, you know, with the idea that we've done this cross-training, you know, already and those teams can take on, you know, the work that's needed that maybe another team can't get done that day. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, you know, it is a big topic, Tina, and, and what do you find are the most common misunderstandings about FMLA? Um, I would say, you know, maybe one of the first things that comes to mind is uh, can a manager performance manage someone that's on FMLA? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I mean, what kind of performance management can you put on someone like that? Uh, waiting, love to hear your, your answer to that. Well, it's really important, I think, to keep in mind that, you know, whether somebody's on family medical leave or not, that does not relieve them of the responsibility, you know, to meet the goals and objectives and the performance standards set for their job. So they are still required, you know, to meet those things. And that includes their attendance requirements as well. Okay. Uh, well, that, that's great. And uh, what are some of the others? Uh, some of the others uh, I know we get questions uh, about sometimes is just um, how is time tracked? So, mm -hmm. um, like on uh, for us, you know, we have actually um, we we have paper sign-in sheets that we use. So every single day that somebody comes into the office, they have to sign in. 
Now, if somebody is taking a vacation day, that's logged as a vacation day, but if somebody is actually um, taking time off for family medical leave, it is indicated that way. And that's really how we keep track of those things. So um, there I would say it's just really important to kind of work with your company and your HR partners to make sure you understand how um, you should be tracking those things related to your company. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, so there's a fair amount of bureaucracy that's involved here and making sure that you're linked into the HR policies as well as into the legal aspects of this. Okay, great. Are, are there other uh, areas of misunderstanding that, yeah. uh, that you see from managers? I do, and uh, sometimes I think there's just some confusion um, related to who should complete the paperwork. And what I would say to that is that responsibility is really twofold. You know, it is the responsibility as of the – there's some responsibilities the manager has as well as um, the associate. Um, so for us, uh, the manager is responsible for putting that associate in contact with the department that actually handles our, our FMLA approval process. So we have a responsibility to get that person there. And as the associate works with that department – that group will either, you know, approve or deny the, the FMLA claim based on the situation. And it's the associate's responsibility to work um, with that team as they progress through the process. Now, uh, the manager, you know, is responsible for the overall structure of uh, FMLA and just how we handle it at MetLife. Um, so, for example, the manager will need to know the 800 number, so they can tell the associate where to call to get everything done and up and running. And, you know, helping the associate with the general paperwork that needs done. Um, and just the manager is also re responsible for making sure that the associate um, codes the FMLA correctly on their timesheet. And, um, hmm. you know, what I would say there is the manager is kept uh, kind of uh, up to date. So the manager will know whether that FMLA is approved. So sometimes in our work environment, that associate, you know, that is on FMLA, our manager is going to know they have an, uh, an approved FMLA. So if that person comes and says, I'd like to take a vacation day, you know, the manager is going to make sure they clarify, is it FMLA or is this a regular vacation day? That way mm. they're verifying that, they understand that, and then they're making sure that it's appropriately coded. Yeah, you know, I, I can imagine, uh, you can almost hear some people who may be new uh, to the call center area thinking to themselves, well, gosh, it's uh, it's family leave. I mean, if they're on leave, then they're not there. Why do we have to worry about all this other stuff? But it really is much more complex than that. Uh, it has to do with the flexibility that people might need uh, for family situations. That does not necessarily mean that they're sitting at home. There really uh, can be part of your management challenge on a day-to-day -day basis, right? That's right. So somebody actually, you know, could be out on a leave because of family medical leave and be gone for maybe two weeks or so, but you've got people that are working in your day-to-day -day environment that you might not, they might not even bring up needing to use any of the family medical leave time for maybe like I need a half a day here or something like that. So, yeah, it's going to vary with each person. Mm, okay. Great. Well, um, you know, have you seen any egregious misuses of FMLA in your experience, Tina, that you'd like to share with, share with us? Well, I'd have to say, you know, um, one thing we had that was kind of interesting is we had a person that was 
approved for family medical leave. And, um, you know, we were also performance managing this person as well. So, yeah, there were some key things that were happening that we really needed to discuss with the individual. And, you know, we use um, the Lotus Notes system, so we use that to set up meetings. So what we were working to do is, you know, kind of schedule these meetings ahead of time. So we'll usually set up the meeting for the next day, send out the meeting invite, and it was kind of interesting to watch because we would set up the meeting and the employee would all of a sudden need a PTO day. Um, because And, it, you know, it just seemed to always kind of go along with the dates that we had set up these meetings. So I think the lesson we kind of learned in that situation after we kind of saw that trend happening is we just didn't send the pre-notice for the meeting and we'd know when we were going to do the meeting but not necessarily put it on the calendar. So you will see maybe little things like that that um, come across, you know, come up. And I think with your kind of monitoring that and just being aware, you know, you you'll see those things and be able to address whatever that is. Right. Okay. Well, it's it's part of the manager's job, and uh, certainly not one that makes it more uh, makes it easier, but still an uh, important thing there. Well, Brian, I think that uh, you have some questions that have come in. Yeah, I've got a couple that came in on email, and uh, I do want to remind everyone that if you're out there listening, you can call in and ask some questions. The call-in number is 347-857-3117, and uh, just make sure you press the 1 so I know that you would like to ask a question, and uh, we can go from there. So uh, I do have a an email question, and I do want to congratulate Bev, since you were the first one to ask a question on the show. And make sure you send me your email, and I will connect with you uh, as where to send the free in-depth reality check benchmark report that you just won by doing that. So uh, Bev's question is this. You mentioned that cross-training is important when coping with FMLA situations. How do you try to plan for cross-training needs? Oh, that's a great question. And what I would say is, you know what? we are somehow cross-training almost each and every day. And we have a lot of different ways we do that. I mean, we actually do some, okay, partnering people with others and having them sit down and cross-train. But we do cross-training even in our team meetings. So our teams will do different things. So say, for example, um, you know, we have a benefits team and, say, our payroll team. That benefits team supervisor, if there's a key topic that maybe they want to use as training, they would invite the payroll supervisor to their team meeting, and they would do cross-training that way. So there's training that we do that way. Plus, we will also target um, different things that come up. For example, um, we we handle open enrollment um, every year for all MetLife employees. And we've got a a wide variety of different things we handle here. We handle um, things as far as making sure anybody selling our products has the right credentials. So that's somebody that might not ever be involved in employee benefits and open enrollment. But when it's open enrollment time and we're looking to staff up that team, we pull people across the board, whether they've had any background in that or not, and we put them through that training and that really helps build their skills. So, you know, we build it in kind of like our it's just in our day-to-day, and it, it's happening all the time. Because, honestly, I think sometimes, like, if you try to set time aside and say we're going to do cross-training on this day, that does work. 
but if you just learn to build it into your day-to-day, if you have those things come up and say you have to cancel a meeting and reschedule, it doesn't delay you. It's just built into your culture and what you do. Mm-hmm. And really, the uh, cross-training can make the life more interesting for people in the call center, and they uh, you know, get, gain more skills and uh, become more valuable to the, the center, but also it's more interesting for them, isn't it? It is, and I have to just add a little bit more to that. Um, you know, the other thing that I really talk to the employees here about is building their own bench. And when we say that, you know, many times we will have an opening in another area here. So, you know, we've got different teams, and I probably have like a total of maybe 10 different teams here. So somebody might be on one team, and a job opening comes up on another team. It may be the exact same you know, level, pay, those kind of things. But our employees will post for those jobs, and it's really another way for them to just build their own personal bench and understand more. And we've gained a Mm -hmm. lot by that, too, because they really feel like they're developing and they're learning more about the company. So that's uh, that's another thing that we've used and have been very successful with. Okay, great. Uh, Brian, I think you've got somebody uh, coming in. Yeah, it looks like I've got someone uh, calling in from a 972 area code, uh, so you are live. Can you please introduce yourself and ask your question? Sure. My name is Pondy Schultz, and within our call center, and I'm sure probably within quite a few of the call centers, we really try to incent the agents to be in the office, and we have recognition events and contests where attendance is, is a consideration toward winning the prize or um, within your score. So for the sake of FMLA, is it true that those individuals would be considered in the office and participating just as if they were there? Or are there other considerations for those that are out of the office on a specific day, specifically in relation to the contest? What I'd say about that and not like totally understanding how the contest that you have together works. What I would say is somebody on FMLA, if they are on approved FMLA time, you have to treat them as though like they were there. So if it's if you're counting attendance as a part of that, that FMLA really should not count against them. So, you know, contest-wise, if you're tracking attendance, that shouldn't count against them as a part of that. Does that uh, answer your question? I would love to engage you on that just to make sure that we've we've answered your question and uh, vetted the topic well. Absolutely. You sure did. Thank you. Thanks. Okay. Thank you very much for that call. And uh, let's see, do we have another email question that's come through? uh, Yes, we do. Uh, We've only got a couple minutes, so we'll try to make this quick. But uh, this is an email that came in from John. John is asking, it sounds like your team talks about staffing needs daily from a day-to-day perspective. What additional ways are you communicating about your staffing needs? Oh, that's a a great question. Um, A couple other things that we do here is, um, you know, we run a, a management team meeting twice a week. And that's just another additional communication. The the daily touch point meeting that I talked about that we run every day at 845, that includes all of our supervisors, all of our managers. So it's kind of like kick off the day meeting. The meetings that, that we have twice a week are uh, myself and, and my direct reports and our managers. 
And there again, we're talking about our staffing needs. That's where we even drill into a little bit more, um, you know, how maybe I can use as an example when I brought up open enrollment. That might be a meeting that we use to determine, okay, who are we going to train on open enrollment before? You know, who hasn't had that experience that we could get trained on that for this year? So we use those meetings for that. But another thing that has been extremely helpful is we have um, an agenda that we put together that's kept online. And as a part of that agenda, we have a section on there that is called, um, it's just staffing changes. And I will tell you this, and I'm going to actually read the headings on here because this is something that I actually myself look at at different times during the day. I can pull it up at any time. But it tracks anybody that is on short-term disability, we track their retirement. So I have, I'm tracking who has said to us, okay, I'm going to retire later in 2012. Um, we know who's going to uh, retire in 2013. We know who's on short-term disability. We know who's on FMLA. So we track that and keep that um, as an agenda topic um, for our meetings as well as it's online and we can look at it. Because if we're not aware of those staffing changes, then we can't operate. So if we have somebody that maybe even, maybe we've got a job posting up, or maybe we have people know how, that have told us that they've applied for another job, all of that we track on this ongoing agenda. And we talk about it in advance. So right now we're talking about we have somebody scheduled to retire in June. Like we're already getting ready for that. So mm. I think those are some things that have really helped us with that. Okay, well, those are important uh, considerations, and thank you for sharing that experience. We're at the bottom of the hour at this point, so uh, I'd really like to thank you, Tina, for being on with us and uh, sharing all of your experience. Uh, a lot of good takeaways, I think, for the people who are listening to this show. And uh, I'd like to thank, thank Dee as well and our listeners. Uh, and so with that, Brian, over to you to wrap things up. Thanks, Bruce. And uh, yeah, once again, thank you, Tina Hoggis, for being on our show. And, and Dee, thank you as well. And of course, all the listeners out there that are either emailing us questions or uh, even calling in. So we appreciate that. And uh, it was a really good show. So I want to congratulate our winner today. That was Bev. She was the first one to reach out and have a question on the show. So I'm going to send her uh, one of our free in-depth reality check benchmark surveys. It typically is at a $1,500 value. So congratulations, Bev. And want to make sure that you all join us uh, on March 14th for our next show. And as you probably noticed, we have a new time. That would be 10 o'clock Pacific in the morning, 11 a.m. Mountain Time, noon Central, and 1 o'clock p.m. Eastern. So hopefully that's a better time for everyone to be able to tune in. Don't forget to sign up for a free Reality Check Benchmark Report and see how your call center compares to others in the industry. So from all of us here at Benchmark Portal, keep those headsets steady and your fingers ready. This is Brian Carrington signing out. Have a great day. Good one.